Hey everyone, Brian from All Day Ruckoff here, and today's podcast episode is with David Ray. In this episode, we talk about his first event, training for Garak events, the HTL that he completed, and what it's like to ruck and do events with Parkinson's disease. I had a great time talking with him. I think this is an awesome interview. It's really insightful, especially to me. My dad has Parkinson's, and I hope that you really enjoyed this interview with David. You're listening to the All Day Ruck Off podcast, episode number 160. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you for downloading this episode. Truly appreciate it. And I really hope you enjoy this interview with David. Again, it was a ton of fun having him on. We're probably going to do another follow-up episode to further the conversation on this. And without any more intro, here's the interview with David. Today, I'm talking with David Ray. Really, really excited to have him on the podcast. We're going to be talking about how he got involved with rocking, his first Gorak event, kind of some of the events he's done since he started, and then the precursor to how we get into this is we're going to be talking about Parkinson's disease, which he has. He's going to tell us his story there and kind of the unique challenges that come along with it, especially as it relates to rucking and how rucking has kind of you know, helped him out in all of this. So I'm not going to say too much here because it's David's story and I want him to tell it. David, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about all those things you mentioned. Thanks again for, for taking the time. I'm, I'm really, really excited to have you on and wanted to give some some brief intro there, but again, didn't want to, you know, tell your story for you. So sure. starting from the beginning, I guess, you know, if you could tell us for people who don't know what PD, you know, Parkinson's disease is and kind of how you got diagnosed with it. I think, I think that's a start we want to go with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just as a yeah overview of what Parkinson's is, it's, it's a progressive uh, nervous system disorder of the brain. Um, and, by and large, it affects you know all sorts of movement, whether that's autonomous or uh, you know uh, conscious um, movement, big or small, um, you know small twitch muscles, fast twitch, slow twitch, twitch muscles, you know, everywhere in between. It can affect uh, any of those systems um, in any degree. Uh, it's it's an interesting disease because. Um, if you've met one person with Parkinson's, you've met one person with Parkinson's because it affects people so differently. Um, but at, at its core, um, for either genetic reasons or potentially exposure to um, some sort of toxic substances um, or just, you know, really, really bad luck, um, there's neurons in the brain that are supposed to produce dopamine, which controls muscle movement, and they just stop doing that. Um, and once they stop doing that, you uh, there's a whole host of Parkinsonism-related diseases. Um, but you know the granddaddy of them all is Parkinson's disease. And uh, you know once you have it, uh, you've actually probably already lost about forty or fifty percent of your natural production of dopamine. Um, it's, it's also another interesting disease in that they can't really determine those numbers or quantify that 
unless you are uh, deceased and they uh, slice and dice your brain and do comparisons. So it's all sorts of fun. <laughs> I was initially sort of um, told by a, a coworker of mine. So this was back in 2012. Um, I had moved from Northern Utah to Chapel Hill, North Carolina and uh, settling in and, you know, things were going hunky dory and um, didn't really have any indicators that anything was wrong. But I was speaking, I was actually asking questions of a, uh, like a speaker at a conference, at a tech conference. And, you know, so at the end of the uh, presentation, you can get up, step up to the mic and sort of ask questions. And after I had done that, one of my coworkers uh, asked me if I was using cue cards when I was asking these questions. I was like, well, no. Why do do you say that? And she said, well, your arm was like locked in this position that made it look like you were reading from cue cards full time. And I sort of didn't think anything of it, but I thought it was odd. And so I went home and my wife and I at the time used to go, you know, for long walks in the park and what have you. And so I just said, hey, you know, can you just sort of watch me functionally as we're walking and notice if anything's off? And uh, sure enough, like within, you know, the first two or three times we had done those walks and she's, you know, paying more attention to my gait and my um, posture and arm movements and things like that. She's like, Hey man, your arm, your right arm just does not swing autonomously at all. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's, it's like an insipid thing because it just kind of sneaks in. You may not notice it for a long time. Um, you know, it might be so innocuous that you're not cognizant of it. So we went through a series of, um, you know, batteries of tests with my primary care physician. Um, you got x-rays. Initially, I thought it might be a, like, byproduct of a uh, Turkish get-up gone wrong. <laughs> uh, I, used to, I used to do CrossFit uh, quite uh, quite often in Utah. And um, it was a great experience because I actually got to work out with the box owner during lunches because he needed a workout buddy. So you know, I got, like, personalized training. But one day we're doing ridiculous Turkish get-ups with like uh, 95 pound barbells and I just went out of balance and um, instead of doing the right thing and throwing it I fell on my back and slammed my elbow into the ground and a sheer fractured my wrist so kind of in the back of my mind I was like okay this is right shoulder maybe I have some scar tissue that is just you know it was latent and now it's um, presenting problems but I uh, know there's no indication of that on x-rays I had uh, like EMGs to make sure my um, you know, my electrical system was working inside. And uh, then I had a MRI and that was inconclusive. And then at that point, they're like, okay, you need to go see a neurologist. And you're like, oh crap. <laughs> you know, if it's not, if it's not something that they can identify, they got to send you to one of the big guys. Then, you know, at the time you're thinking like, all right, this is either ALS or, you know, Parkinson's or something. Who knows? Um, so yeah, we went to, um, I had to go through a couple of neurologists to finally find one that I, you know, liked. Um, I, I was inadvertently sent to a sleep neurologist once. And, uh, so he was opposed to diagnosing me with early onset Parkinson's because he said I was too young. And I was like, dude, there's a reason it's called early onset Parkinson's, right? Like this is typically an old man's disease, but, um, there's certainly a host of younger people to get it. So um, I found my way to a neurologist that 
you know, he worked at a movement disorder clinic and within two or three minutes of him seeing me, he's like, yep, sorry, you got Parkinson's. <laughs> so that's kind of how I, uh, my journey to being diagnosed with it at least. So how old were you at the time? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, sure. So this was in 2012. So I was, um, 37. So not, you know, not too young, but I mean, typical Parkinson's diagnoses are, you know, late fifties, um, on up. Right. I mean, there's, right. there are some outliers, obviously, you know, the, the classic example is Michael J. Fox. Um, you know, he was diagnosed in his what early twenties. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I mean, there are cases, obviously, of people younger than um, middle age that get it. And uh, however you look at probability, I was either really lucky or unlucky to get it. And I mean, that's, I can only imagine a tough diagnosis to receive. Uh, how, you know, how did you, how did you take it? Yeah, you know, um, that's an interesting question um, because, uh, I mean, the, the, initial reaction is just kind of internalize it and and you know you know in uh, western society like men typically don't open up to many people uh they just kind of put their blinders on and like go to work and get the job done and come home and provide and, and all that good stuff um so i think i fell into that trap you know for a while um i was a consultant at the time um building awesome technology for people all over the world. Um, so I just dug in, you know, I dug in and, uh, didn't talk about it really to anybody. Um, and part of that was because at the time it wasn't really, um, didn't really inhibit me to that creative degree. Um, you know, cause we caught the symptoms sort of early and, you know, I was on low doses of, um, dopamine. Um, and I just kind of, you know, went with it for a while. Um, so in one sense it was just sort of, okay, whatever, this is this thing and it's not really problematic. So why spend a lot of uh, mental energy on it? But at the same time, you know, I, I know myself, I fell into some old habits. Um, I started, uh, you know, doing some emotional eating, things like that and got pretty out of shape, um, much to my chagrin. And then, uh, you know, like one uh, meeting I had with my uh, neurologist, he's like, listen, um, you can, you can treat this diagnosis like an anchor right you can either just sort of be anchored to it and you're going to be stagnant um physically and you're going to decline in health probably more rapidly than you otherwise would or you can just kind of you know do your best to drag this anchor along and you know see see where you get um and i mean in hindsight i understand his perspective because i was out of shape um maybe he didn't have a great outlook for me. Um, but you know, I went home and thought about it and I was like, you know, I've been in shape before. I know how to, to do this. I know how to get back in shape. Um, so I just, I went home and thought, you know, how am I going to pick this anchor up and like move it as fast as I can, as far as I can, as long as I can. Right. Cause I, you know, I didn't want, um, you know, my daughter at the time was two, three, and my son was, uh, you know, eight or nine. I'm like thinking to myself, okay, geez, if I don't do anything, I might be alive, you know, when they both graduate, but I might be at home because I can't, I'm not mobile, you know, I can't control my movements. Um, so s sort of thinking into the future, 
and where I might be if I didn't do anything was really the motivation um, and that's you know stoked the fires to, to get into shape. And that's so great that you're able to, you know, think about that and use that as motivation because I mean, for me personally, when I get when I get stressed or when things happen, I go to eating too. That's a it's a, a pretty easy yeah. one right there. It's a classic. Because it tastes delicious. <laughs> yeah. And 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 the you know, the problem with that, uh, at least what I've, you know, learned from PD because my dad has it, is that fitness is like it seems like the way to slow down the spread. And sometimes when you get news that you're not happy with or, you know, things that that get you in that spot, it can be tough to to work out. So it's like not only do you have to beat those feelings, but you have to beat them and push beyond it and start, you know, actively working out. That can be tough. Yeah. It's actually like a, a for PD specifically, it's like a compound problem too, because there's a lot of um, science, you know, like gut biome science that they're looking into saying, you know, maybe some of this is caused by poor Western diet and, um, you know, the gut biome is just messed up from all these, um, you know, like aspartame and all this fake food, um, processed food. So like you're doing yourself a double disservice by A, not working out, but, and also B, just putting crap into your body. Um, I, I've discovered over you know the course of these last eight years that I am optimally running um, when I'm on a low inflammation diet. So whether that's paleo or um, keto variants or just low carb, um, that does it for me. And if I fall out of that, which obviously I did for a while, um, it's just it's it makes the it, it compounds the symptoms that I have. And, uh, which then, you know, compounds your lack of desire to work out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're feeling bad on the inside thing, you know, and you already have things stacked against you on the outside, it can make working out even more difficult. And definitely, I'm glad that you brought up the diet because it's been interesting watching my dad because he, um, so my wife has celiacs, so she doesn't mm-hmm. eat wheat. Right. My dad's doctor was talking to him about, you know, potentially going on a no wheat diet and seeing and no dairy and seeing how that, you know, impacted him. So, you know, we were able to share some recipes and because yeah. that's how, you know, how we eat because we don't cook two dinners. We just don't eat gluten. And it was interesting to see as he'd go back to his doctor, you know, how things would kind of level off when he was, you know, exercising over 150 minutes a week and had completely yeah. changed up his diet. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a marked improvement. And, you know, it's again one of those things when you're like in the thick of your internal struggle or whatever, you just don't, you, you forget that perspective. Like you forget how good you felt when you were doing the right things, um, you know, doing the correct things for your body. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's a precarious position. And that's why it's really helpful to have um, a great support group, whether that's your family. Um, or, you know, family and friends, work colleagues, workout buddies, all those things are really, really important for these kind of long-term um, degenerative uh, diseases. Yeah, I can, you know, only imagine how much more important a support structure like that is to have. And I up to you, but I think this would probably be a decent time to talk about, you know, your 
support structure and the structure you found. It sounds like, you know, our, our pre-talk to this, at some point you got involved with F3 and started working out with them. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. So, um, you know, sort of going back to what I was reflecting on earlier, how you just kind of put your blinders on and just go do the things you think you're supposed to do, not uh, have time or opportunity to create healthy relationships, whether that's with your spouse or your kids or your um, neighbors. Um, and so um, during the, the course of my getting diagnosed and things like that, um, one of the things that Parkinson's does is really mess with, well, at least for me, it really messes with your circadian rhythm. Um, so I, I had an opportunity to go to Iceland with my uh, work at the time, and we stayed there for about 10 days, and we came back, and I just could not get unjet lagged. Like I was waking up at you know two or three in the morning, um, and in parallel, my wife uh, worked with a great guy at, at her job and he was doing F3 in our neighborhood. He's like, you got to get your husband out here. Like it's, he's up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't care. Nobody cares how out of shape you are. We, we want to, you know, we want you to get out there and we will, um, you know, we're not going to leave you where you are. Um, so, you know, don't feel like you're, you need to get in shape before you come out and do F3, things like that. Um, and, you know, I'm sure many, some of your audience knows what F3 is, some doesn't. Um, it's a, you know, a male, organically grown, free fitness program for men um, that seeks to you know, establish um, male leadership and you know, healthy male bonding uh, through fitness. And so it's the, there's three Fs. The first F is fitness. The second is fellowship. And the third is faith. And that faith can be you know, Judeo-Christian or uh, any variant of anything. It could be just, you know, you believe in something greater than yourself. Um, so, you know, I was all in for fitness. Like, I was like, okay, let's do it. I got to gotta do something. So I went for, you know, like the first couple weeks. And like I said, I was up anyway, so that was no problem. But this, what was really important for me was to do some of this fellowship, you know, like, hey, I heard you guys actually engage each other in conversation and learn about each other. Um, because I live in a high density community and before I started doing F3, I, you know, I considered myself to have maybe two or three, what I called bus stop buddies. You know, you see them at the bus stop, you say, Hey, how's your kid? Mine's good. How's yours? You know, how's work, et cetera, et cetera. See you later. And, uh, just no real meaningful relationships. Um, so I was thinking, okay, F3 is going to help with my fitness and help with the establishing a greater network of people, that are close that I can count on. Um, I was just like, I'm so gassed during these workouts that I'm not getting that fellowship right now. So I was talking to one of the guy, a couple of the guys, and they're like, hey, if you don't want to come out at 5.30 in the morning, you can come out at 4.30 in the morning, and you can ruck with us. I was like, okay, 4.30 is pretty, pretty early, <laughs> you know, even for me, pretty freaking early. Um, and I was like, what, I don't even know what that is. What is rucking? And they were like, okay, well you take a backpack and you put a bunch of weight in it and you just walk around. And I just thought like, man, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had no exposure to it. I wasn't in the military. didn't have really any immediate family that was in the military. So I just didn't have any clue conceptually what it was. I was just thinking like back to college textbooks and things like that and like how annoying those were. 
but I gave it a chance. Um, and I went out and, um, you know, it's four 30. There are about five or six guys. And I tell you like rucking is really awesome. Um, and I, I, I find this still to be true today, whether you are just starting or you've done thousands of miles, like you put that ruck on and you feel great for about 45 minutes and you can talk and laugh and um, have a grand old time. And then 45 minutes in, you're like, Oh man, this is, this is a workout. This is great. You know, I mean, you still feel great, but you're, you, you know, you're working, you know, you're getting some work done. Um, so I just, I thought it was the perfect combination of, you know, that fitness and fellowship that I was really wanting and needing and seeking out. So uh, that was, that was my first real foray into it was through F3, which is I'm super thankful for. Um, and then, yeah, it just became like a wrecking dynamo for a while. You know, it's, yeah. it's so great when you're able to kind of connect with the community. And I really like that your reference to um, bus stop buddies, because yeah. I feel like with COVID-19 now, you know, a lot of people working from home or not, you know, being able to work, you really find out who your bus stop buddies are and, you know, who your actual community is. Because you know, I used to work in downtown Seattle and there were people I'd talk to, you know, on the bus or I'd see them in passing at work. And then, you know, you, you talk almost daily, but then COVID hits and you haven't talked since then. You're like, huh, or, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you really figure out you know who the who's in your community yeah absolutely that's yeah, it's just strange yeah so yeah on, on top of everything else you know that's that's going on with parkinson's and all that fun stuff yeah to be living in this day and age is certainly you know unprecedented for a lot of reasons but yeah you make a great point in that it really does further uh define and refine who those who those um who those, you know, super, who those people are that are in your circle that you are going to be there for, and they're going to be there for you, irrespective of, you know, what's going on. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious when you started working out with the F3 group, you were diagnosed in 2012 and then kind of what, yeah. when did you start working out with F3 and, you know, was that a, a pretty seamless transition back into fitness or, you know, and, and into rucking or did you notice, you know, some issues? starting out with them? Sure. That's a great question. Uh, yeah. So I was diagnosed in 2012 and, um, I think it wasn't until 2014, uh, like January of that year that I went to Iceland. Um, so between 2012 and 2014, you know, I had some fits and spurts of trying to get fit again, whether that was through some paid boot camps in the neighborhood or, um, you know, road biking or mountain biking, what have you, just, uh, nothing too serious. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, my weight got pegged again, uh, and, and then that January 2014 rolled around and it was like, okay, let's go. And, uh, yeah. So the first, the first F3 workout I went to, um, it's, 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 it's overwhelming, like, to be honest in a, in a good way in hindsight, like you go there, you have no idea what to expect. Um, if you're like most people, you haven't sort of jumped around on different things out in the open, whether they're be cinder blocks in a uh, construction zone or uh, impromptu pull-up bars, things like that. Um, but the the most uh, amazing thing to me was, uh, you know, I was gassed in the back, super slow. Um, and these guys would keep coming back to me and be like, hey, you know, you're doing great. Let's just keep at it. 
and you know we are our own worst enemy and you know so you're just thinking to yourself no this is I, I don't get this this is not i don't buy into this yet um but you know the first after the first two or three times you're like okay these guys are serious they, they mean what they say like they're going to come back to the six you know to the back of the line they're going to support you they're going to um come back and find you but they're certainly not going to leave you where they found you you know they're going to make sure that um through these uh, principles of f3 over time you're going to be in the middle of the pack and you're going to start leading workouts yourself and then you're going to be in the front of the pack and you're going to start going back and picking up the new guys in the in the in the back of the pack and it's just this awesome you know circular um rhythm and organism to, that, that's going on um so you know while it was you know for the first couple months difficult physically um it was seamless from the perspective of yeah i found a place where um these dudes are not hyper competitive they're not gonna laugh at you for not being able to do legit pull-ups or things like that they're gonna be there to support you and you know if you tell them you've got some issues they're gonna work with you to modify and you know they want you to do the best that you can on that day and it's so great to meet groups like that f3 local rock clubs all the the local rock clubs that i've hung out with have been very similar you know the f3 groups that i've worked out with have been exactly what you've said and it's tough because you like you were saying a lot of people you know myself included when i wasn't in great shape i'd say well i've got to you know i can't go and work out with them until i can run a certain amount of distance or you know do a certain number of push-ups or i can't work out with this rock club until i can easily rock you know 12 miles in whatever amount of right. time we kind of put these self-imposed limitations on ourselves and you know half of it's probably because we don't want to embarrass ourselves when we show up and we're just sweating all over the place during a right. rock or, you know, the other side of it's kind of giving ourselves a little out. Absolutely. Giving yourself an out is, is certainly part of the equation. Um, but yeah, just, you know, again, I think it's sort of problems that are endemic to our Western culture. Like we fear and kind of reject failure. Right. So we teach, you know, in school that if you fail tests you are a failure right but i mean look at science and scientists they fail thousands of times and then they you know learn how to split the atom um so i mean from a physical analog like yeah you're gonna fail a whole bunch but you can't be afraid to fail you, you have to you know you can't let fear uh, paralyze you um you just have to go out and just do stuff I mean, you know, in hindsight, saying, oh, man, I got to get in shape to get in shape. It's just, it's asinine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so I, I just, I love that advice and just kind of that whole conversation because, you know, anyone who's listening who's in that spot, because I know I've been in that spot years ago, it's a tough spot to get out of. But, you know, it's just, here's another conversation saying you got to get out of that spot and you know, reach out to your local club, your local workout group. It's worth it. Oh yeah. 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 Obviously it's, uh, it's scary to put yourself out there in general. I have found that if you put yourself out there, the, the rewards that you reap are much more than the energy it took to put yourself out there. That is the perfect way to summarize that you put yourself out there four thirty in the morning. You start, you know, rucking with these guys before the F3 workouts. At what point did 
you think, you know, I guess I'm going to do a, I might as well sign up for a GoWork event. You know, did they talk you into that? Was that something you found on your own? How did that whole thing happen? Oh, the probably, uh, so yeah, probably within, uh, I think I started wrecking in July of uh, 2014. And then, um, uh, no, not 2014. My dates, my dates are a lot. I started wrecking in July of whatever year it was. And uh, a group, you know, a subgroup of F3 were pretty dedicated wreckers. And I started like going to other F3 sites just to see, meet and greet new people. And, you know, this group latched onto me and they're like, hey, you should come do this tough in Chapel Hill in um, October or whatever it was. And, you know, I naively was just like, sounds great. Let's do it. Not really knowing what I was getting myself into, you know, because basically the 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 F3 marketing for Go Rep Tough is like, if you can run a 5k or you know if you can get through a f3 csop which a csop is um a an event that is completely stupid and utterly pointless so it's usually like a three or four hour event where you just go from like workout to workout to workout um for no particular reason other than to you know work out a lot <laughs> uh, but they were like if you can do a csop or and or you know a 5k you should be able to get through it a tough just fine and, you know, I, I was working out pretty consistently for like four or five months and um, loved putting in distance under the ruck. And I thought, sure, let's do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I signed up for uh, Pathfinder Endure because uh, a couple of my buddies were doing that to prep for this uh, tough and uh, just, you know, did the work and um, kind of just smiled and got miles in and did ruck PT and um, eventually, you know, found myself on at, at at uh, Stardex, ready to face uh, the unknown. So you you signed up for Pathfinder Dura. So you you had some idea of the kind of you know workouts that you'd be doing probably at the event. Um, did you have much other insight into what the event would be like besides that, or was it kind of a surprise? It was uh, it was a it was a surprise. You know, I, I understood sort of the framework that it was going to be twelve ish hours, and that. Um, there would be an active or uh, retired special forces cadre telling us to do um, things of unknown weight and quantity and distances for the entire time. So, I mean, that was, <laughs> those were my known knowns at that time, which were basically a lot of unknowns. <laughs> um, right. That might just create more questions than you had to, uh, to start with. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's great. It was fine because at the time, you know, I trusted the guys that brought me in and I, I respected them enough to think that they would not put me in a position or an event that, um, either they or myself probably couldn't finish. If that makes sense. Right. Right. So you've got this, this group of people you've been working out with, and you know you trust them that they wouldn't suggest you should do something that you wouldn't be able to finish that would be dangerous yep. for you that's exactly right just another reason why it's so nice to have you know a community around you that you work out with so they can you know help you out with that kind of stuff yeah yeah because again i would have never were it not for f3 i would have never been exposed to uh rucking and i would have never found these go ruck events and who knows? Who knows where I would be right now, honestly. So you you finished that first event. When you're done, you know how did you how did you feel? Were there there low points during the during the event? High points? You know how did that 
Uh, yeah, how did I feel? Total euphoria when when you're finished. Uh, you know, I had never ever done anything that um, challenging physically in terms of duration, um, distance, weight. Um, there were definitely some challenging points throughout that event. Uh, I remember pretty early on. Uh, I don't remember what the infraction was, but uh, you know, we were just cruising through um, the middle of chapel hill and something happened and it was kadra heath and he was just like all right mother freakers you know we're gonna freaking punish you and he just came across this uh you know at the time it's it probably looked like um uh, you know a two or three hundred pound rock you know because again this is my first event it's like 10 11 at night um everything is looks larger than it it might really be um and he's like you guys got to move this until i tell you not to and uh i was uh, my battle buddy at the time was this just big ox of a dude you know like six four um, super lean super muscular and he he'd take the weight and uh i knew i was in trouble because you know after like 50 feet he's like oh you gotta take this um so yeah that was my first experience with like figuring out how to just get your mind right and just, you know, embracing the suck and, you know, moving that weight for as far as you could, um, for as long as you could without necessarily complaining, knowing that there would be people to take the load when you couldn't do it anymore. Um, so there's that challenge. And then the other one was just, uh, while I was getting in really good shape, I still had some, you know, sort of flexibility issues. And I don't know if you've ever done Jeeps and Tanks with Cadre Heath or one of the other Cadre, but it is a ridiculous um, movement involving basically duck walking uh, and pretending you're a Jeep or a tank for a long time. And I, I just thought that was going to be the death of me. But because, uh, you know, we all had to do it um, perfect for. X amount of time, and I just I thought there was no way, but we we made through it, made it through eventually. Yeah, those movements feel like they can go on forever. Oh yeah. So you finished the event, you know, felt great, very happy to have it done. Were you, were your initial thoughts, you know, I need to do another one of these, or were you thinking, you know, that was a that was something else, and we're, <laughs> and we're gonna leave that right, where like it is. Right, like, hey, I've put that feather in my cap. I'm done, right? Yep. Um, no, so I, I finished and I thought, okay, that's the, that was awesome. What's next? And then some of my other buddies who did not do that event because they were training for a heavy in D.C. in the next three weeks were like, oh, you should come up to D.C. and do the heavy with us. And I was like, no, no, it's too soon. It sounds uh, insane to a level that I think that I cannot join you on that journey yet. Um, so, I mean, I, I came away from it wanting to do more, um, you know, toughs, um, definitely. But the thought of doing a heavy, you know, a 24 hour event was just, um, it was not even, uh, I mean, that, that sparked the, the, uh, the spark, but it wasn't, wasn't even a conceptually, you know, uh, valid thought before before they had mentioned it but my first reaction was absolutely not no way uh, i need more time i need more training um i need to dig in and, and 
you know, do some more work and soul searching. <laughs> and so, I mean, that event was was three weeks later. Did you end up doing it, or did you did you spend more time training? I held to my word and did not do it. I trained with them um, just so I can understand, you know, what the sort of different, you know, taking it to the next level meant. Um, you know, whether that was them just doing more longer distance stuff or doing overnight rucks or coupon rucks. Um, I did pretty much immediately sign up for Pathfinder Advance after that because I, you know, I, I did definitely have the bug, so I wanted to get some of those, you know, mile mileage under my belt, um, do some of the heavier uh, little mini challenges within that program, just so I could understand, you know, if I was going to be able to, you know, eventually do a complete heavy at, at some point in time. Yeah, it's definitely nice to have those for a, a gut check, kind of to see. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're not as shocked when you show up to your first heavy. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, I think the following spring, if I remember my timeline correctly, I had done two or three more tufts in between, but, uh, F3 had, um, um, set up a custom mountain heavy in Western North Carolina, uh, in the Blue Ridge mountains. And I, and I thought, okay, I'm going to train for this event. It's going to be amazing. Um, we're going to get, they're going to get me through it if, if I have doubts and all that jazz. Um, but then I just fell into sort of a, a, another classic uh, playbook and that was overtrain. So I think it was like March of that spring. Uh, like my left leg was just hurting like hell. I went to my orthopedist who was uh, fortunately an F3 guy. Um, so he knew exactly what we were doing to ourselves. He was a, a rucker as well. And, uh, we took some x-rays and he's like, uh, yeah, you, I think you have a stress fracture on your femur. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that's, I understand that's not very easy to do. And he's like, no, it's not. You need to lay off for like eight weeks and not do this event. Um, so that was pretty discouraging. Uh, you know, I was doing all this work. I felt great Parkinson's wise. Like my uh, symptoms were not even, uh, generally not even a consideration. Um, so I was like going full throttle and just had to lay myself up for like eight weeks, which was super disappointing. That is disappointing. And that's, you know, that's, that's a tough blow to take. You know, how did you, how did you handle it? Did you take all the time training off? Were you still doing, you know, some workouts they're able to, to get in? What would your schedule kind of look like for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, fortunately, I did not fall back into my old ways of, uh, you know, eating ice cream to heal my broken bones. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I took probably two or three weeks off completely. Uh, didn't do any running, no rucking, no, no weight, no weight on my uh, body. Um, and then I just started going out to F3 workouts and just super, uh, just modifying super heavily, right? So... Um, whether it was uh, good to do at the time or not, like I'd just do, you know, one-legged burpees. I obviously wouldn't run. I wouldn't load, do any load-bearing stuff. Um, but, you know, at this at that point in time, I was totally invested in the, the, the culture and the social dynamic. Um, so I, I missed that. So I, I needed that, um, you know, to sort of keep me – mentally in a good place too so I, I had to get out there and just do what i could which again you know in that environment is totally welcomed and encouraged 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's tough for me to take time off from injuries. I, I hate the not training, but I can only imagine that it'd be, you know, cause you've got more things running through your head. You're, you know, you obviously you have a stress fracture. You have to, to treat that, but you're probably also running through scenarios where you're still, you know, the whole way to slow down PD is to exercise heart rate. Um, so you're, you know, you probably just have a lot more to think about. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was on, you know, in the back, it's always in the back of the mind. Like, you know, you cannot fall off the wagon. You've got to somehow maintain some, um, momentum. Um, so along with, you know, some modifications I made, we also have a, a Peloton spin bike and, um, there's some good clinical, uh, studies on clinical trials studies on, um, like high intensity, uh, spinning in Parkinson's that it, it's very beneficial. Um, so I did that. Uh, there's a couple other things that are good for it that I considered, but just didn't have access to, uh, like there's a, a boxing program that's really good for Parkinson's. Um, so just, you know, the, the main thing is you got to try and like mix things up, um, sort of confuse the mind into, uh, convincing it to act normally again. I almost can't think of anything more confusing to the mind than uh, wrecking and go-wreck events. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a total understatement. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, um, but there also is still a double-edged sword there because, um, I mean, I totally needed that that platform to you know do that work and put myself in that mental and physical state. Um, but on the other side of the coin – uh, this is a brain disease and the one time the brain heals itself is when you're asleep. So doing these 12 hour overnights, 24 hour overnights, eventually, you know, uh, HTL attempt, a couple HTL attempts and a one HTL completion. It's like where, you know, that's, you're also thinking like, eh, what is too much? Am I, am I going to get to a point in time where I'm actually negatively impacting my Parkinson's now? Um, so yeah, there's always some weird, calculus going on in my head uh, as to how hard should I be working at this point in time based off these factors. Yeah, that's got to be quite the equation because it's, and it's tough too, because, you know, you've got this community that, that you've surrounded yourself with and you see them signing up for these bigger events. And I mean, I get drawn into that too, where I have no kind of plans on doing an event. And then all of a sudden you see your friends are signing up. You're like, oh, well, maybe, you know. Right. Maybe I right. will train up for that or and sign up for that. And it's just yeah, be it's, a- it's definitely, it's a difficult decision making process, but I mean, um, once I sort of validated my experiences with my neurologist, you know, he's like, Hey, there's not ever really been any long tail studies, uh, on this kind of work on, you know, this demographic of patients. So if you feel good, keep doing it. Um, and that was pretty much all the validation that I needed uh, to keep doing it. And that's some good validation right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'll tell you, when when I when we initially talked, and you know, he was mentioning to me about you know the anchor and all that jazz. Um, he also told me at that same time, he's like, if you want to get into a workout program, like I really encourage you to only maybe work out three days a week, twenty or thirty minutes a time. 
and I was just thinking to myself, like, I, I've gone through this process before. I know what effort it takes to lose weight and stay in shape. And I was just thinking that that's not going to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so then to be able to come back, come back like a year later, a year and a half later. Um, and he's just like, what have you been doing? And I basically said, I took your advice and just threw it away and just have done as much, as much as I could. And he's like, okay, well, you know, if it's working, keep doing it. That's awesome. I can only imagine that it would be, you know, tough from his point of view as well, because if you tell someone to do too much, then, right. you know, they don't do anything. They start out, it's too much. They don't do anything. And if you tell people not to do enough, then there's no, no changes they see. And for people who are, I don't know if it's wired like us, but I mean, you, you kind of just, like you said, you step back, you look at, you said 20 to 30 minutes, three times a week. Like that's, <laughs> you know, we're, we're looking at maintaining status quo here. Maybe yeah. a little bit of gains, but like nothing, nothing life changing, right? And then to to use right. that and and push yourself forward and make all that incredible progress, I and mean, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean it's been definitely a, a journey, um, and it's, you know I've had my ups and downs. Um, I think like last uh, last November, um, so I I finally did my I finally completed my HCL last September to New York, uh, 9-11 HTL, which was just an amazing experience. Um, but you know, as, as we rolled into late fall, like I just felt like crap. I was not sleeping. Um, uh, my medicines didn't seem to be doing anything. Uh, you know, so I'm just like, okay, this is a progressive disease, progressive disease. Like what's the situation? Like, am I done rucking? You know, I always been pretty upfront with my buddies that were, um, hardcore into it and i just told him i said hey i'm gonna do this uh you know within reason as hard as i can for as long as i can until i can't do it um and there are a couple mornings where uh i'd get out and we'd be a mile or two into a four or five mile coupon ruck and you know all of a sudden i become like the tin man um because parkinson's uh, you know if you're a low dopamine you just get rigidity in weird ways, uh, in weird, uh, all over your body. Um, and I just remember one morning I was like, dudes, I, I think I'm done. Like I cannot move. <laughs> you know, I literally just laid on the ground until, um, you know, my brain produced a little iota of dopamine and I was able to get up and start working again. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a it's a hard, it's always a hard uh, balance, but um, like I like I said, finally got my I had to get my diet right again this last spring, based off of the late fall being kind of a crap shoot, um, and uh, since probably mid February, I'm just like back at it, like it's no no issues again, which is awesome. I'm glad to hear that, but what a roller coaster! You know, you're you're back in it now, but I mean that must have been pretty tough to have those thoughts oh absolutely yeah it's dev i mean at the time it was devastating you know because i mean this you know my social circle is at five in the morning until six thirty or seven hanging out with these great people whether it's the f3 group or the rut club that we built in hope in durham hope valley rut club um uh training for crazy events um yeah i was just like dude i'm done like this really is going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, on, that's like on a macro level. I, I, I go through it at some uh, 
micro level, you know, pretty much every four hours, uh, uh, which is sounds terrible, and uh, some it, it is, but you know, so uh, dopamine cycles uh, for me, I take uh, dopamine every four hours, and so um, you know, it's like twenty minute onset, and then I feel amazing, which for most people means they feel normal again. You know, they can freedom of movement. They're not having weird spastic movements. They're not rigid. They're not getting weird neuro neurological cramps. Um, but you know, when I'm getting into hour three ish, uh, is a wearing off period where you kind of start succumbing to some of those symptoms, things start slowing down. Um, sometimes my feet will cramp like a claw you know, like a bird gripping a branch and other times they'll splay the other direction and, and they're literally like neurological. You can't, you can't like roll them out or stretch them out. You just have to kind of grin and bear it and push through, um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, but you know, I just go back to if I'm not willing to do that, you know, what's, <laughs> what's the alternative? You know, you've surrounded yourself with this support network and you also have your, your family and your goals there. Yeah. That's just, that's gotta be, you know, so powerful. I mean, I've learned so many lessons from rucking, from cadre delivering beatdowns that you don't think you can survive from teammates, you know, pulling you out of dark places, um, from myself being able to pull others out, um, yeah, you have to find the motivation and willpower to get through it, whether whether it's, you know, whether you're dealing with, I don't know, it, you lost your job or, um, you know, family member died or you're going through some stuff yourself, whether that's, you know, mental or physical or both or whatever. Um, that's, that's, you know, what I just think was awesome about rucking and the GORUCK event framework is – you truly challenge yourself and learn from yourself and others how to how to get past those things and you know how to how to, how to work through them absolutely and so you know speaking of, of working through some challenges you know you felt great when you finished your first tough event how did you feel when you finished up that 911 HTL oh man <laughs> yeah it's, it it was really surreal you know just because of um that particular event itself um and what it means you know to to uh, the united states of america um but also sort of because of my trajectory to get there um a few of my buddies went up the year before to attempt it and uh you know we got through the heavy and we just we all sort of silently walked back to the hotel and we were just in the elevator and I think we all just sort of looked at each other and uh, whether or not it was ESP or whatever, we just all agreed that we were quitting. (laughs) You know, all of us thought if we go back out there, there's no way that we could do another push-up with good form. You know, so why bother going? So, I mean, we collectively agreed to quit and we were all okay with that. And we didn't tuck our tails between our legs and went home, but we definitely went home uh, unfulfilled uh, in terms of meeting that goal. Um, so yeah, we spent the uh, next year training uh, in the interim. We had a custom HTL in Chapel Hill, um, which I also unfortunately wasn't able to finish. I did the heavy felt awesome, 
Um, but then I, at the, you know, I sort of had this ideal transition in mind and I thought, okay, I need to sleep for a few hours because brain needs to repair itself. Um, and I could not sleep. I was having some weird neurological dysfunction and I just told my buddies, I said, I can't, I can't do the tough. Like I'm, I can't do it. A, I don't know if I'll get through it. B, um, my 15 year old son was going to come to the light and I thought, you know, I'd rather just bail on the tough and have a good experience seeing my son doing his first light and doing it with him. Um, but yeah, then fast forward to uh, September of 2019 and, you know, we, we were all just had our game faces on and went back up there and, uh, Stardex was interesting because, um, one of the, one of the GRTs did bring his headlamp. And so we just got, uh, you know, eviscerated, you know, before the thing even started, just absolutely blown out. Uh, with push-ups and stuff and um there were about two hours into it and we started we got separated into different groups and um uh, i was in cadre cleaves group and i remembered the pain he delivered from the last year and i just like it didn't feel right at all like um one thing you are uh keenly aware of with parkinson's is where you're at in your dopamine cycle and where you think you should be um, based off of historical data and i just did not i was not in a good place and um uh yeah pretty much you know flagged him over and was like i i'm, I'm not in a good place um i think i'm gonna quit i'm the one that wrote you told you i have parkinson's um because i you know once i started exhibiting um cramps or weird oddities like that in events i usually reach out prior to the event just so they know what's going on know what medications I have, how often I need to take them, things like that. And they have always been really um, um, accommodating. Uh, yeah, he just, he pulled me aside and he's like, listen, you spent all this time training. You spent all this money and resources getting up here. And I just really need you to like think through this and <laughs> tell me if you really want to quit. I'm fine with that. But, you know, you got you to gotta do what's best for you. But um it was really awesome because that was when, you know, he relayed to me that his dad has PD. And so he understood where I was coming from, but, uh, you know, he didn't want me to make a, uh, snap decision. Um, so yeah, he gave me like three or four minutes and my buddies came over and we're just, you know, like what's going on. If you're done, we'll be done too. Um, but we, you know, we'll also rally around you. Um, what do you want to do? And so fortunately, uh, I just decided to, you know, put one foot in front of the other and do the work. And uh, yeah, some number of hours later, we were finished on Sunday. And it was just, it was incredible. Um, you know, like the, just as poignant as the tough um, index was, you know, this was exponentially more important. And so this was your, your third HTL attempt? Yeah, that's correct. So that middle one, I mean, that's kind of a, a special case, right? Because you wanted to come back for the light with your son and kind of mm -hmm. be there, be really in the moment and spend that with him. Yep. So kind of disregarding that one, you know, the, the first event, you finish the heavy and you all, you know, everyone who came together had these feelings in the elevator. Like we are, you know, <laughs> this, this isn't how we thought we were going to feel at the end of the event. You know, this isn't kind of how... <laughs> We anticipated it would be going from the heavy to the tough. I'm curious yeah. if you had those same feelings 
you know, in the, your third attempt when you finished it, when you finished that heavy, did you feel right as rain? Like this is this is the exact transition I was hoping for. This is everything's going according to plan. Or did you have similar feelings that you know I can't do a push up? This is tough, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it out. That's great questions. Uh, yeah. So um, the main difference in terms of approach with the second time we went up was that at least for me was I instead of considering it, you know three separate events with some breaks in between. Um, I just implanted in my mind the the notion that this was an event that was going to start at 6 p.m. on Friday and it would end sometime on Sunday. Um, and just setting that as the framework made it so that, you know, the, the transitions were not an opportunity to reflect on where you were at and talk yourself out of going back out. Um, and I don't think that we um like openly spoke about that but i'm pretty sure we all felt that way um so from that perspective like the the um with the exception of that you know moment in the heavy um like my mind was right and so i i, I knew about probably the, the morning following the start of the heavy i knew that i would get through it um now uh how did i feel um when we started the tough we had another just heinous pt beat down you know because they bring in a bunch a bunch of french fresh bodies um that need to be sort of acclimated to where <laughs> the people that were doing the heavy were at um and i mean i could not you know we're doing like man makers and bodybuilders and thrusters and i i could not i mean i was i was not moving well number one i mean just because it's exhausting but also you know wherever I was at in the uh, dopamine cycle. And at one point, um, Padre Diaz, you know, he, he and I had a great conversations from the custom HCL in Chapel Hill and he was a cadre up there as well. And so, you know, he would come over and needle, needle me a lot. Um, and eventually he just came over and he says, it's like, David, you have got to try and lift that over your head. <laughs> like I cannot let you not do the work. And I was like, okay, and, you know, I was just, just totally taxed, but attempted to do the work. Um, and, uh, you know, for better or worse, uh, he came back like five minutes later and, and there's this dimin diminutive um, powerhouse in front of me. You know, it's like, I don't know if she was even five feet tall, but uh, Kaja was like, hey, give me your ruck. He took my ruck and he said to her, hey, give me your ruck. And he took her ruck and he swapped rucks. And, you know, any other time I probably would have felt pretty, um, uh, not, um, not really upset with myself, but, you know, um, not shame, but, you know, like, Hey, you know, let me, let me do the work. But at that time I was just like, dude, if, if he had not done that, uh, <laughs> it could have gone really South really fast. Um, but just, you know, uh, the cadre being able to recognize like, where you're at as an individual and whether, whether or not you're putting forth maximal effort uh, for you at that point in time and how they may or may not be able to accommodate certain things um, was really awesome to, to see that. Like uh, I saw that many times for me over that weekend, um, which was, which was great. It just proved to me even more that like these guys can connect with anybody in the crew at, at 
you know, whatever they're going through and figure out how to uh, help them help themselves or, uh, you know, get through, get through what they're going through. Yeah. And we talked about that a little bit, you know, before we started recording is that it's crazy how they're able to get kind of maximum output from everyone who's taken part in the event because you you hit those moments you know and even towards the end of the event and everyone's gassed the person who like you said you know put in 20 plus hour training weeks they're gassed the people who have put in 10 hour five hour training weeks every, you know everyone is taxed yep and that, that was the key difference right but the first um when we got done with that first heavy in new york uh i think we all thought hey we're gonna go out there and they're gonna ask us to do this stuff we're not gonna be able to do a perfect push-up, so we might as well quit. And we did. Um, but you know, uh, going through more events during the next year and seeing these, um, you know, these learning experiences and, and uh, um, opportunities uh, just makes you realize, you know, they're not there to kill you. <laughs> they're not there to see you fail. They're there to, uh, like you said, like we said before, they're, they're, they're there to get you to achieve. Um, your best at that moment in time, which I think is really, really awesome. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. They're not there looking for the perfect push-up. They're mm-hmm. there looking for the people who are giving it their all, and whether that's you know less than perfect push-ups or push-ups where sometimes you know the knees are down a little and then they come back mm-hmm. up. You know, it's you see it at events, and they can tell you know who is giving it their all and who is trying to skirt by and they, right. uh, they put an end to that real quick yeah yeah they they have eyes everywhere <laughs> <laughs> that they do so i'm i'm curious if we can you know kind of bring this back full circle you know for people who are listening you know i'm guessing a low percentage of them have pd but they might know someone who does you know is right. is suggesting you know getting out there and rocking with them is that a, a good idea? You know, what's what's a way that you know people can kind of lend support and assist and help? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think that you know, just if it's not rucking, you know, just maybe go for a walk or go for a bike ride. Um, a lot of it's going to be, you know, we mentioned early on how this is a very individualized um, disease. Uh, so you know. For certain people, it may not be possible to ruck. For instance, you know, like if their balance is severely diminished. Um, but it, you know, I think the important takeaway is like, um, if you have these people in your lives, you know, figure out how you can meet them, where, in in some manner that they are comfortable with, or even maybe slightly uncomfortable, and meet them there and and get them out. You know, whether or not it's buy some sparring gloves and box with them or, um, you know, get on a go to a spin class with them or uh, ballroom dancing is another one uh, that's really good for Parkinson's. Um, but if it's rucking, yeah, yeah, I would definitely encourage them to uh, give that a, a try. Because uh, for me, you know, it's like um, – I won't say it's life saving, uh, but then again, it might be because again, I don't know where I'd be right now if I didn't have, uh, you know, all these years of rucking under my belt. I might might be not bedridden, but uh, unable to do certain tasks or or what have you. Um, I'd rather, you know, push the limits 
with what I can do out there rucking, then um, explore the other side of that equation. It's a good way of looking at it. And, you know, it's, it's so true. You don't know, you know, where you would be at if you hadn't done all this, if you hadn't started, you know, working out with your group, getting back in shape. But what you can do is look at the, the studies and, and all of the other cases out there and, and kind of say, well, you know, I, you probably wouldn't be down a better route. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, it's, you know, ballroom dancing, that's one of the things that my dad actually took up. They started doing nice, that when, nice. when my, yeah, when my, um, when my sister got married uh, last September, you know, they started doing dancing for that and then they, they kept doing it. And it was one of those things that, you know, he had read, you know, because you, it's cycling, you know, dancing, swimming. He's like, oh, I'd never do dancing. But then he started doing dancing <laughs> classes for that. And it, you know, he actually enjoyed it. And yeah. it's, it's funny because it's in some respects, you know, just getting out of your comfort zone. I, yep. you know, started doing Garak events to get out of my comfort zone. And then at some point, the events become part of your comfort zone. And it's just kind of looking for more ways to expose yourself to new stuff and kind of push yeah, the limits. Absolutely. So, you know, for ruckers out there who are feel super comfortable rucking, maybe ballroom dancing. That's right. I expect that to be a, an, a, an evolution at some Gorak event in the future. There have been dance-offs at a Gorak <laughs> events. Awesome. Totally awesome. And they're, you know, not always met with the warmest reception, but, you know, it's it's kind of the lesson there is just being able to to shed kind of the whole embarrassing feeling behind it and doing something crazy for your team because that's the event that it happened, I wasn't at, but you know, I had friends who were there. Um, they were saying that they split the, the groups in half, the team in half, you know, dance mm-hmm. off one team versus the other, and the losing team had to do a just an <laughs> epic amount of PT. So, yeah, you know, get out of your comfort zone, do something that you feel weird doing, and save your team. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We've used up a, you know, all the time I scheduled, but is there something that we might have missed? Is there anything that you want to? To talk about any you know final words you want to to give on the podcast or reiterate you know something that's that's important to you before we get going. You know, while we've talked about specifically you know Parkinson's and rucking and my experience with it, I just think you know at a, at a higher level, um, I think I mentioned this in the the blog interview. Um, for me, you know, most uh, one of the most compelling reasons to keep doing these events is, you know, not only to test my limits and where I'm at, but um, just to learn about other people, right? I mean, our society is like so uh, black and white, your team versus my team, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, Democrat versus Republican, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we just have to find ways to, you know, like cross those lines and learn how to, work together to you know do meaningful stuff um we do it at this micro level within these events you know i'm certain there's all things being equal you know if i if we sat down and just met in a building not under those circumstances we'd probably figure out ways to divide ourselves you know into schisms or factions and not interoperate but under the paradigm of the you know go work event like you go there you learn about each other you do the work um i just think it's especially where we're at in this day and age like it's super important to figure out how to um relate to 
another person and uh, figure out what they're going through, how you can help them, where you guys agree on things, where you differ on things, and like just figure out how to do something actionable and meaningful. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Truly appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you want links to anything we talked about during the episode, you can hit up the show notes, alldayrockoff.com slash 160. Since this was the 160th episode. David, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on. Had a ton of fun chatting with you. And it was just some amazing information. Thanks again. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to help support the All Day Rock Off podcast, you can head on over to either Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the podcast, leave a review. Those are truly appreciated. You can also hit up the online store, alldayrockoff.com slash store, or support through Patreon, patreon.com slash alldayrockoff. And there's a couple additional benefits for supporting that way, including some bonus items if you ever do make a order in the store. Hope you're staying safe out there. Hope everything's going well for you. Hope you're able to get your rucks in, your training in. And I can't wait to talk to you again next time. I just want to take a quick moment to say thank you so much to Christopher for supporting through Patreon. It's truly appreciated. Love the support. And I just want you to know that. Thank you so much. And thank you again for downloading this episode. Truly appreciate that. And as always, don't forget, attitude is everything. Keep yours positive. And Thank you again for tuning in.